Well, we are excited to be with you again on Up for Discussion. And I am still learning like how to be on camera, to be honest with you. <laughs> I just noticed like my posture has been so bad. So if you see me go like this, it's because I'm I'm still working on it, you know. Um, <laughs> That's funny. But yeah, so happy birthday. You had a birthday this week. Well, thank you. It was a happy birthday and uh, I had family members wish me well in a very warm way. It was great. Then... For those of you who follow us on social media, I did read hundreds and hundreds. I took the opportunity to be blessed by all the comments, hundreds and hundreds of comments, um, wishing me well for my birthday. So thank you for remembering that again. Of course. Well, you're just a gift to my heart, but to our family and really to the world. And we just honor you and celebrate you. Well, you're so sweet. Well, um, we are going to dive into another a very intense topic this week. And there's a lot of controversy around this. And it's definitely something that is worthy of our time to um, discuss and to give you permission to like dive deeper into this. The things that you hear us talk about today are not going to be exhaustive. We're, we're just really getting going on it. Um, yeah. And... We do have some strong perspectives that I think um, are backed up biblically, and so we're, we're looking forward to sharing that with you. The topic is God and guns. Yeah, we could add to it, you know, is the, is the Second Amendment biblical? That would be very applicable for here in the United States. We're aware that we have followers, listeners from other nations mm -hmm. as well. Yep. Honestly, I will assume... You tell me if you think we're right. Most of our followers, listeners in this nation, this is a pretty much settled deal. It's not like controversy, controversial in that way. I'm, they're going to be pro-gun in some way or another. Um, they're going to see that God mixes with guns. But from other nations and perhaps some in this nation, there, there is question about it. So, you know, part of what we want to do is as with all our points is we want to reference the scripture above everything and and in that we're allowed to have some common sense mixed in with that as well it, as that common sense if it's not violating the scripture then we piece those together it probably makes a pretty good sandwich it's true and i think it's good for us um <clears throat> If we have some from the younger end of our generation listening and, you know, those of us that interact with the younger end of our generation, it's important for us to know how to have conversations yeah. around this topic and understand some of their arguments for either side. I mean, there's not just two sides to this. There's so many different perspectives on it. And then, like you said, there is an international, like cultural difference even um, but I also think that in recent years, because of mass shootings and because of um, it being a highly politi politicized topic, it's important for us as believers to know what we believe mm -hmm. and where we stand. Um, I just want to state the obvious from the beginning here that we know that there are people's lives that have been affected by these mass shootings and some of them very 
up close, maybe, you know, their own family members. And, and we, recent, yeah. recently, and we grieve with you and we pray for you. Um, but we don't feel passive about it. That's your first hint. <laughs> we don't feel passive about it. We feel like this is an area where we are supposed to have a voice into this. And so let's just jump right in. I know that you've already pulled up some scriptures that are um, verses that people typically think of when they argue this one way or another. And we'd love to hear your perspective. Well, thank you. You know, we're going to... Um... We're going to make a point right up front, and you know, I may, I didn't, I didn't really have this all set up to do perfectly in order, so we'll do a little bit by feel and go back and forth. Uh, we haven't really, you know, we don't, we don't practice out these sessions of interaction. We haven't rehearsed and done this already. We've had some conversations among us, and then we trust the flow that's going to take care. Yeah, it's that, pretty organic. I mean, there are things yeah. we talk about anyway, but not as much as in front of y'all. <clears throat> So just as it relates to the Second Amendment here in the United States, uh, this is before we go to Scripture, but it's establishing, uh, you know, biblical basis for it. Uh, it's, if you do the deep dive on it, not even that deep of a dive, it's, it's clear to see that the original intent of the Founding Fathers um, was that, that they saw a biblical right. They stated a biblical right to self-defense. One of the signers, I think it was Richard Henry Lee, and he said, you know, to preserve liberty, it is essential that the whole body of the people always possess arms and be taught alike, especially when young, how to, how to use these. Mm -hmm. And so it was understood, it was clearly, in the preamble it's talked about even more, it's clear that the, the arms, weapons... Uh, you know, we could address that even right now. The scripture is going to say swords. It's not going to say guns because they didn't have guns in the scripture. And so, yeah, we will tell you right up front, you will not find direct validation for having guns of any of any sort because they didn't exist in biblical time. But if we can create this um, parallel right. that if it's talking about swords, it becomes the equivalent for us for, for guns. But it was understood by our founding fathers that this was a God-given right, that freedom was a special uh, God-given right, and so the defense of it was biblically justifiable. That's their perspective. I'll give some more on that as well. So the arms, the weapons, the guns are to ensure you can defend yourself from uh, any kind of illegal force that comes against you. And it was understood and talked about in many different ways, whether from a neighbor, whether an outsider, or if your government has become despotic. It was not just that this was allowed in the whole constitutional conversation, preamble and everything, that it was required of the citizenry, of the people themselves to rise up, take arms and take out a, a government if that government has become despotic, if it now has become, become criminal themselves. So, so by despotic, you mean like tyranny, such as yeah, communism yeah. or... Um, a dictator that's not there truly representing the citizens of that nation, but with their own agenda. And that's what's... And a dangerous <clears throat> agenda. That's what's always the judgment call is, uh, you know, for 
every movement, every group that's risen up against government, they'll, they'll often call themselves freedom fighters, and that will often be what others will consider or the majority or reality, they're, they're terrorists. And so just because someone wraps themselves in freedom fighter uh, doesn't mean that if it's not, if it's not legitimate. But if they're, they're often taking on a government that uh, is essentially le legitimate in its, all, all its ways, uh, or we'll say that it used to be that in some cases. Uh, there's a whole discussion there, the more I think about it. But it's, it's, we want to understand that that's also, again, the, the fakery of, of the movements that they will use, that those who, who shouldn't be taking up arms against a government. But there is, when a government, not just to your disliking, you don't like their politics on, on certain minimal issues, that, that's not really justifiable at all. But when it really specifically, I think we talked about it before, when it's encroaching on freedom, that's, that's, the, big, that's the big deal. So there. the motive is really important. Huge. If, if it's about vengeance, it's one thing. If it's about um, protection or self-defense, it's another. And then there's the nuance of, okay, what are we protecting? Exactly. What would be worthy of protecting in that way? So we'll get into that. I'm going to remind you that you are going to want to hold that because you usually tell me, oh, you didn't tell me ahead of time to hold it in my lap. Yeah, we'll put it <laughs> We'll put it in the lap. Because they can't see what you're looking at. They can't see what we're looking at. So I'm not looking down, you know, for some other, <laughs> I don't know, whatever reason. As we said, we're still figuring this out. No, we got it down. Uh, we've been doing this our whole life. Uh, not. But we're, we're really okay about that. So there are scriptures besides it. We're saying even our founding fathers in this nation, that was part of their, um, uh, part of their justification for the entire concept of it. And so as with everything really in the Constitution, to the best of their ability, they were finding a biblical foundation and base for, for that being there. And, you know, I want to make a couple of points right up front that... Carrying weapons, the use of guns and weapons is very defensible biblically from a standpoint of defense and not so from a standpoint of offense and offensive in order, in other words, to take territory from someone else, to take something from somebody else uh, now. Or to impose something on right. someone it can be some people can can think well there was a battle that so and so happened and they took their 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 territory every situation every story you know every every battle every war has its own uh, reality talking points and narrative around it so there there are times where it can seem like it's an offensive move but if you're actually trying to stop the enemy from from doing something and so you have to do an offensive move it's not really doesn't qualify as an offensive move. So for example, the way that our forefathers used guns and weapons to take over land that belonged to Native Americans was not what you would feel is acceptable, right? Use of violence. No, but again, every one of those story, every one of those stories, there's okay. In some cases there was uh, you know, our forefathers, depending which ones you talk about, if they were the more Quaker ones, they're attacked by. Um, so they were defending themselves from. And they would have to go to where they find a base. Kind of, we were just watching, uh, we, we watched for my birthday, Top Gun and the movie. And so, you know, essentially they have an assignment where they've got to go take out 
in the in uh, the, the fighters. Yeah. yeah, they got to take out uranium. They're really taking out a foundation. They got to take out an airstrip, and they I don't want to blow the the storyline for you who haven't watched it, but it's really it, good. It's really good. It's at high risk. What they have to do. There's actually a low uh, low percentage chance of survival, so they're even willing to be martyrs in the process. But they're going to take heavy weaponry. They're taking fighter jets, and they're going to they're they're going to stop. It, it looks like an offensive move. But they're, they're stopping what clearly is the preparation that's happening there in order to be destroyers of life and freedom themselves. And so, again, those are the side issues that always have to be uh, contemplated and processed as we, as we move forward. So we see that... Um, so the defensive versus offensive. The defensive. And another principle we're always stating is related to mountains because that's why we try to get corrected uh, we're going to take mountains and all this is like, well, you, be careful your language. We take it from the enemy and that's powers and principalities. We wrestle not against flesh and blood. So we're never imposing on people in that kind of way. And the kingdom of God is not advanced through, um, through imposition. It cannot be advanced through imposition. It's advanced through influence and things. So any, anything we're saying today cannot be construed in any way as justifying or validating that type of holy war, like to, to go historical, the Crusades, where you're going to reclaim Jerusalem straightforward through weapons and fighting and bloodshedding. I don't see any biblical defense for that. I consider that completely out of order. And even related to the Seven Mountains, the language that you're talking about, even when we say influence, we know as Christians what we're talking about, but just to be clear, it's not influence as in we're going to infiltrate and it's influence in terms of serving, bringing solutions, offering options from those who claim to know Jesus, options that that are appealing, that are, you know, you know what I'm trying to say. It's not, not influence in a, um, just another version of imposition. And we've seen that before. There was the Great Inquisition and the Holy Crusades, and they show up with their guns, and you know that's that is advancing the kingdom in the wrong way. And it was for hundreds of years, literally speaking of the Inquisition, it was you know repent, be, become a Christian, or we kill you. And so we had uh, that was Islam was being advanced in that way by the sword. Christianity was being advanced by the sword, not defensible under any circumstance. And so we want to make that clear, even as we apply it uh, today, towards possession of guns, usage of guns, and, and, and all that. So um, in the Old Testament, and, and those who know the scripture enough will go, well, Old Testament, we, we know it's going to be like that, but we got to think New Testament. But we'll just go briefly through the Old Testament. We know that the Lord specifically... Uh, commanded the children of Israel to cast out the enemy nations from land that was promised to them and to do so by the sword. You look up the word sword and it's going to be several hundred times in the Old Testament. A lot of times it's a command by God um, and, and where he says, you shall wipe them out by the sword. And, you know, that's kind of a, another uh, path, another rabbit hole uh, conversation is why would he command People to kill, you know, other people and nations, and I don't get that God. And the only brief thing we'll just say right now is, if you understand that Israel 
the nation of Israel, the covenant nation Israel, was just a, a flickering, fragile flame of existence. And it started with Abraham. And so there was all the other nations that existed on planet Earth without exception, 100% were demon worshiping, Satan worshiping, Baal worshipers. And so, and they were, they were just like you can think of protecting your own baby or whatever it is. You have to go to extreme measures to protect it. So he needed them protected. He needed them not to be mixed. They weren't ready to be light to the world. You know, he, he didn't tell them at that time to be the light of the world. They didn't have Jesus with them. The new covenant had come, didn't allow for things that then were mm -hmm. uh, available to us, having Jesus, having the Holy Spirit and things like that. So just, you know, if that makes you feel any better about the God of the Old Testament, he's the same God. But if you understand the context of it all, it, it becomes easier. But you find out there are some principles that are existent even in the Old Testament that apply and relevant to us even today. There's, I think it was Exodus 22, 2. I'll just say it and I think you can look it up. You'll find it. Basically, it says if a person, the children of Israel told that if they killed the thief with the sword or however they did it, if they killed the thief, it was not considered, they were not guilty of murder. And so it was understood that you have a right to defend property. You have a right to self-defense. And that was part of, you know, very intentional, specific instructions from God. And those principles, there's no reason they were eliminated in the New Testament. It's not like all of a sudden God said, yeah, if the thief comes in, you just got to let him have everything. Let him, let him take away. So we, we see that, you know. It was clearly established in the Old Testament, um, and and the God, the God who justified that for the various reasons we're trying to tell you a little bit of New Testament. Like, okay, let's look at Jesus, and um, we were having a conversation. You might have mentioned um, the scripture. I don't know if you have it in front of you. If not, I think I have it in front of me, Elizabeth. The scripture on uh, those who live by the sword will die by the sword that Jesus said. Do you have it right there, Elizabeth, where exactly that is? I do not. Okay, um, I got it. It's Matthew 26, um, 52. Do you want me to look it up? Yeah, go ahead. It's right there. Just Matthew 26, 52. Got it. Yeah. Jesus, do you I don't know if the scripture right before and right after is relevant until you decide there. Look at it. Um, okay, so this is where Jesus and his disciples are in Gethsemane the night before his crucifixion. And... He's been there praying and, you know, Judas goes and gets the, the, the people to arrest um, yeah. Jesus. And they laid hands on Jesus and took him. And suddenly one of those who were with Jesus stretched out his hand and drew his sword, struck the servant of the high priest and cut off his ear. But Jesus said to him, put your sword in its place for all who take the sword will perish by the sword. Or do you think that I cannot now pray to my father and he will provide me with more than 12 legions of angels? How then could the scriptures be fulfilled that it must happen thus? Yeah, that was good. You read all that because it, it gives us so much context that's needed because what Christians have taken from that. And I say, you know, I've often praised uh, and written in a book of the Quakers and George Fox and the Quakers. And if there's one position that I probably disagreed with them 
I disagree with the concept of passivism in the mm -hmm. sense we were having the discussion too, Elizabeth, just like, yeah, in heaven, there is no, there is no warring in heaven, the heaven we're going to. Um, there is no warring. There's no need for it. And, and that is the reality of that, that dimension. So it's the ideal. Nothing gets settled in heaven with weapons uh, when we're in that perfected state with him. And so that, that's, that's the ideal. But here's the situation that, and even it seems that this scripture even caused the Quakers and many to, uh, to decide that absolute passivism was the only biblical basis, where he says, you know, after Peter cuts off uh, the ear of the servant of the high priest, um, he, he says, put your sword in its place for all who take the sword will perish by the sword. And you would think, well, that's pretty clear. All who take the sword, all who use weapons will die by weapons. Well, that would be um, easier to see if we, to come up with that conclusion, if we didn't read the context and if we didn't see the other passages uh, where Jesus talked about getting swords. We'll see, for instance, I think it's Luke. I didn't. And this is why you can't just use one verse exactly. in scripture to argue a point about something. It's it's in the the fullness of scripture that you you can debate something. Right. And even then it's still oftentimes you've got to just be led by Holy Spirit. Man shall not live by bread alone, but by every word that proceeds from the house from the mouth of God. Uh, so the idea that can come from that scripture it can have another application, but by every word, it's not like just one word. So you, you want to put things together because here's Jesus in Luke chapter 22 and verse 35. And he said to them, to his disciples, when I sent you without money back, uh, money bag, knapsack and sandals, did you lack nothing? So they said nothing. Then he said to them, but now he who has a money bag, let him take it and likewise a knapsack. And he who has no sword let him sell his garment and buy one. Now, did, did, you, did you hear that? He who has no sword, red letter is Jesus. He who has no sword to his disciples, let him sell his garment and buy one. Uh, for I say to you that this was written must still be accomplished in me. And he was numbered with the transgressors for the things concerning me have in it. Um, and so they said to him, verse 38, look, Lord, here are two swords. And he said to them, it is enough. Now, there's debate when he says it is enough that he's like, okay, two swords are enough. He's like, oh, I'm done. It is enough. I'm done debating this anymore. But the bottom line is, so if, if we know that he has previously said that if you don't have, when you move on from here, if you don't even have a sword, sell your garment and buy your best garment would have to be to get a sword mm -hmm. in order to get a sword. We know that he believes in it. Number two, we, we see the reality that Peter carries a sword and he's been doing it for over three years. You think if that was not allowed as, uh, you know, any, a kingdom thing, then there is no way Peter would be carrying a sword. And we can assume they had at least two swords and it may well be that all of them had, had swords. So he's really speaking into, we assume out of that, it's like anybody who, and you can uh, jump in on that, but for all who take the sword will perish by the sword. He's suggesting that if your first, 
you know, your, your first line of default is grabbing a sword. He who's prone to violence, he who's prone to, you're going to, you know, before having any discussion, before trying to do normal peacemaking or whatever, if that is your default button is just to take up a sword, then you're going to die by that. But it was definitely yeah. not a pacifist. We can see this, not a, not this pacifist statement across the board. Right. So he's, he's not endorsing gangs. He's not endorsing yeah. a mentality of, you know, we just live by the gun and we care for our own that way. But nor is he saying, you know, no discussion, never swords. They shouldn't even be a part of your life. And so when people try to use that scripture against you to say, you know, Jesus said to put the sword away, you can't use it in the way that people do trying to say, therefore, no one has the right to bear arms. Absolutely. And, you know, furthermore, if we just... I was talking about the context of what you just read, Elizabeth. He said that uh, you think that I cannot, you know, by praying that I can, that I cannot just say, "Father, send me twelve legions of angels, tens or hundreds of thousands, or maybe even millions. We don't know what the legions are. There's different theories on it. We'll just say tons, a, a bunch, lot, a bunch. <laughs> so he wasn't saying uh, he was going to use them as weaponry. He was saying. Listen, listen, if I needed weapons, I have like better, you know, I got the better weapons than you got. You got a sword. I got more than the, you know, like now they have the Space Force weaponry or whatever. He's like, I got better, bigger and better weapons. But you don't understand. That would violate the narrative, the storyline, the destiny I'm living. I'm supposed to be the lamb that was slain. This is why I came. Jesus, a lamb that was slain before the foundation of the earth. Yeah. You're trying to... Right. If you're trying to interrupt my call, um, and, you know, they were all, all his disciples became martyrs themselves. Their assignment at the right time, they could not be killed before then. And you would think somebody who's going to be a martyr like Peter would not carry a sword around. But there was a time he did, but there was a time that there was, their life was to be given. Mm -hmm. So we want right. to see how these uh, correlate and, and cord coordinate as we're, as we're moving forward. So the other thing um, is Romans 13, 3 and 4. Yeah, Romans 13, 3 and 4. Um, this is your Spanish big... and English Bible? No, it's, okay. it's, it's kind of an oversized one. I have several Bibles, you know, but it's... Uh, you said Romans what? Uh, 13, 3 and 4. Okay. And we want to look at... A very common scripture may be used in a different way than, I say common, some of you may not have seen it this way. I'm not sure what verse 3 starts if we go ahead. Okay. Verse... It's Romans I think 13. I should just actually read from the first verse if that's okay. Okay, One yeah. Before. Okay. Submit to government is yeah, what yeah, this yeah. section okay. is called. Let yeah. every soul be subject to the governing authorities. For there is no authority except from God, and the authorities that exist are appointed by God. Therefore, whoever resists the authority resists the ordinance of God. And those who resist will bring judgment on themselves. For rulers are not a terror to good works, but to evil. Do you want to be unafraid of the authority? Do what is good, and you will have praise from the same. For he is God's minister to you for good. 
But if you do evil, be afraid, for he does not bear the sword in vain, for he is God's minister and avenger to execute wrath on him who practices evil. That's why it's kind of best that last scripture <clears throat> that it stand on its own for various reasons. Mm -hmm. But it's, the context is great. He does not carry the sword in vain. What's the next thing it said? He is God's minister. So the concept of God's minister carries a weapon. So those who think the kingdom cannot be advanced through that, it reminds me of the conversation I had, if you remember, the general of the armed forces of, of Peru when I met with him and he just wanted... He's no longer that. So he's can no, that's say why, that. I can, why I can mention yeah. this. I was hesitating whether I would bring that up, but because it was years and years ago. I, uh, he asked me, he just needed to ask me right up front. He says, Johnny, I just need to know before we get in the conversation. He said, sometimes I have to send young men in to kill. Am I all right before God? And I took him specifically to this scripture. And I told him, I said, not only are you all right, if you are taking out evildoers, if you are taking out true terrorists, if you are taking out true criminal element, it's not just okay. It's actually your assignment. And I shared with him how his authority was different than mine. And that's literally what he was supposed to do. Mm -hmm. So we want to understand, again, the biblical backing of it. And then the application says, what is it that, does it say obey government at all costs, no matter what they're doing? And, and that passage, it says it's to take out evildoers. They carry yeah. the sword to take out evildoers. So our question we can have is, as we have advanced in civilization, what if your government has become the evildoers? If the government, what if they have been taken over by the evildoers? Right. So when people have the argument, well, you just um, submit to all authority because all authority is there because God put all authority in every position that they're in. Are you kidding me? Like, it's ridiculous. It's ridiculous. <laughs> it, it, it even makes it clear here scripturally what you're saying is that the, the rulers, the government, the, those in authority that, they're, that he's speaking to here, Paul is speaking to, he's making the implication that these, we know that they're in authority and they were put there by God because their agenda is to get rid of evil and to stand up against evil. If they're not, then the implication is they were not put there by God. So therefore, it gives us the right to... Yeah, because I'll, like, I'll ask you this uh, question, Elizabeth. So let's say... Let me see where I had these points on that I was going to... Okay. Would you consider it um, more spiritual for me or one of your son-in-laws? Or my son. Or your son. Yes, we have several son-in-laws and a son. If they just watched, whether it's you or, again, get too personal with it, but our daughters or their children, would you consider it more righteous for them just to watch them get attacked, killed, raped by uh, whoever, some evildoer? Or would it, would that seem more righteous than because they didn't use a gun for some reason? I don't know if you see what I'm asking. I completely see what you're asking. And so the mother in me wants to just immediately like react and say, blow them away. You know, like that's the most godly thing is just to like blow them away. Um, but I don't want to react out of that place. I will say that the father that I know 
God the Father that I know is very protective over us. And he is all about justice and about righteousness. In the Old Testament, you brought up the Old Testament, um, over and over again, he communicated laws that were very clear of how to protect the innocent and how to make sure that people weren't victims of other people's wrong choices. And our our law, our constitution is even built on those original laws that he gave them. And so I would say it is actually more godlike or more kingdom to be in a position to protect innocent people in any situation, especially if they're my daughters. <laughs> but even if we take it outside of ours, like, so somebody is watching cruelty to children, whatever we describe as cruelty, children will say it's like severe cruelty to children. And there is someone that has the weapons and they decide, you know what? I can't do this. It wouldn't be biblical. It doesn't fall within my pacifist thing. Um, and they could do so and they could do so safely and easily. That would not be a more righteous stand. I mean, it's not even the biblical model in more in more ways than we've even revealed uh, so far. Yeah. So we, at some point, we realize to not resist evil is an evil itself. To not resist yeah. evil is, well an, is an evil of omission, and and so to not prepare yourself in in that kind of way is is uh, is just not it's not spiritual. You know, having said that. They would probably think I'm going to be a person who has a ton of weapons. I don't even know if we didn't talk about whether I would tell. Should I tell <laughs> if I have any or not? Nope. Okay, we won't tell you. But I, I will tell. I will tell you that we are a family who believes in the right to bear arms. Yeah, and I will tell you that I also have three shofars. <laughs> That's the most important thing that the bad guys need to know and about. That, that covers both. Yes. Like if it's demons. <laughs> Or bad guys, it really works on both. I will just tell you, and um, and they're like high level. In fact, there's nothing that can resist them. There is no anti whatever. Uh, there's no anti airplane, anti tank, anything that takes them out. So anyway, that's a whole nother side thing. So, um, so we're just saying there's a right. There is a a, a biblical right um, for us to to defend. And now here's I didn't even tell you this part, Elizabeth. I mm -hmm. might go a tad controversial. You can see. Not uh, you. You not, would never say anything controversial. Not, not me. So first of all, before I get to that controversial part, this shouldn't be controversial, but, you know, God self-describes himself as carrying, as being a carrier. Um, uh, a gun yeah. carrier? Well, like sword. He's like... Okay, uh, that's right. <laughs> <laughs> oh, I should come. Okay, there's Deuteronomy 32, 41. He says, I will come with my, he calls it my glittering sword. And so he talks about a glittering sword that mm -hmm. he has. And we know the story of Gideon. This is the sword of the Lord and Gideon. And so they were advancing with the sword of the Lord and Gideon. But the other one is where the Lord himself talking, talks about his glittering sword. So he's a carrier. God's a carrier. Um, heaven has an army. Lucifer was not loved out of he wasn't pleaded with. He wasn't chided. He wasn't um, convinced out of heaven. He wasn't put in timeout. <laughs> he wasn't put in timeout. It was Michael with weaponry, with the whole army. They took him out. 
the entire army of heaven, again, scriptural, the armies of heaven, do not exist for heaven itself, for the heaven we're talking about. They, they exist for wherever there are bad guys, where there's evil. So that's just a reality. It's understood. He has to have them because the spirit realm is full of evil hosts and forces. There is a need for weaponry here on earth for good guys for that same reason. Some combination of scripture and, and logic there. Can I comment yeah, on that? Yeah, I would like so, to. So, you know, obviously Jesus, um, I would say, came as a peaceful protester. There is a right time and place for peaceful protesting. Um, but that didn't mean that was the whole of whole representation, obviously, of God. I mean, you just gave great examples of that. There's something in us, I think, that we're we're instinctively wired to know that how do I say this? Weapons themselves, guns, um, fighter jets, bombs, those don't feel like God. Right. They don't feel like... It's not ideal. Yeah, it's not ideal. Just like sin in the world isn't isn't God's uh, long-term intention for us. There is the presence of evil... But the long-term goal is the kingdom of God fully coming to earth. And when the kingdom comes fully, there is no, no need for violence anymore. The scripture that says our, our um, what is it? It'll be turned into harvest tools. <laughs> oh, our plows. Well, no, our swords will be turned into plows. Plow. That's what plow I'm trying to say. Yeah. yeah. So there is a time when when weapons and the need for defending freedom will not be necessary anymore. When evil will have been fully dealt with in in the earth, and we're not there yet. So it's it's not to embrace this idea of a need to defend freedom with some form of violence is not the end game. It's part of the process of getting there. I hope I explained what I was trying to yeah, say. Yeah, no, it's, it's, it's not the utopian idea. Jesus came, as you mentioned, he's a peacemaker. He said in his first message, really, blessed are the peacemakers. And But we understand that, we can wrongly understand that the peacemaker will be the the, the weakest willed one, or I don't know, uh, the the overly pacifist one, but we understand the truth in, in world, in our world today in a is, fallen world. is the greatest, the nation with the greatest military potential uh, uh, to, you know, if they did all the bombs and powers that they have, they're the ones that have the biggest ability to enforce peace. That's right. And it's literally right now, there's so many nations that don't engage in battle because somebody above them that has greater firepower has said, you will not, or we'll come after you. And That's so right. they're under, uh, you know, the peacemakers, it's, it's enforced by, by a greater might. And so that's, again, that's, that's how things function in this fallen world. It's not the ideal, mm -hmm. but it's a reality. This is where it's okay. Now, and this is probably as we, as we wind into some sort of uh, close here, but this could be more controversial. 
But what we're going through right now is so unique in the world and in our nation that this is a very relevant topic and conversation. Um, we We have been and still are at the precipice of of great danger. The great danger is United States is literally the the last nation on planet Earth that has the capability in some measure of defending its own freedom. You can tell the right to bear arms is a big deal because all nations that do not have the right to bear arms really don't have freedom. Even if they're even if they're led to believe they do, they don't. Um, and so that's really even what our founding fathers understood, that it's government of the people, for the people. It's a we the people reality. And so that even our military, even our government was to function on behalf of the people. That's right. They're representative of us. And we have a government. At minimum, a government. The military is something we'll have to see right now, but we have a government that's in positions of ruling in this nation, the high-level government. We're not talking that we, we know we have some good mayors. We know we have some good sheriffs, police chiefs. Uh, we even have some, but very few, good congressmen and senators. We have very few. At the, the higher the level, the fewer we have. And so the power positions in this nation are being run by those who qualify as the enemy. And they are, they are criminal, they are blackmailed, they may be under threat, maybe they're not so bad, and they're only yielding to blackmail and threat, but that makes them uh, imposters for what they're called to do and be. So we're at a place where either a citizen-defending military has to rise up in this nation and take out the ruling criminals, or a, a citizen's people militia will have to do so. I'm not calling for I'm just saying it's just what's going to have to happen. Either the military, our institutions, our main institutions have so failed. We look at it. We've had these conversations. We know whether we're talking about, we know the Supreme Court has, has failed tremendously uh, on multiple votings in the last uh, year and, and more, really to... Uh, you know, to, they could have disallowed an election that any sensible person realizes was stolen, was fraudulent. Anyone who just cares for honesty and truth uh, knows that. And so they, through cowardice, through evil, or through, you know, blackmail compromise or whatever, they have defaulted. And yeah, in the midst of that, they'll do some other, like we, you know, they so far seemingly have somehow advanced Roe versus Way, where it could be overturned. That's a positive thing um, if it continues in that direction. But we find out the Department of Justice, we find out that, um, uh, you know, our courts at, at state level, Supreme Courts at state level, we find out election boards and all that. They're just failure after failure after failure. And there's a building frustration in the people because we're realizing that we we find ourselves at a similar place of the original revolution where there was such uh, abuse of the citizenry through taxes, through control, through other things that it forced an uprising uh, at that time. So I don't want to interrupt your point, but I really want to make a comment on that. I'm going to go deeper in it, but go ahead and make a comment on it. Uh, We'll go ahead and go deeper. Okay. You can see. So 
again, I, I still say weapons biblically are basically justified against despotism and, and, and control. So, he, but just to go a little bit more, we have just faced, and we could face again, they have just raised in a uh, county right beside us, the COVID alert level. We, really? Yeah, and, and they're like suggestions, and we don't know if that then, okay, that means they're trying to now, they're going to do another forced vaccination run, forced masking. Uh, once you get into forced vaccination, and especially when we understand that the plague we're getting vaccinated for had a death rate of 1% or less, even if it was 5%, to have forced vaccination. And then when you understand that the vax, if, if they would show the data on the vax, that it was harming people and killing people, and this is now something you're forcing on the populace, or they can lose their jobs or their freedom. You are not now talking about a despotic government. And when you have, uh, I say, forced illegal taxation, all the, ta the taxation we live under in this nation is primarily illegal. And so it was something that was brought in for a year and then two years for war purposes. Mm -hmm. and, and then it stayed with us. And so we live under that. Definitely not enough representation for the level of tax coming in. And there is essential loss of property that has been taking place for decades in our nation to people, even once they have bought property or whatever. The taxation keeps going up to the point where they often lose lose that. Uh, there's the forced, I'll call it censoring, a voice of the majority through social media. At elections, there is, uh, you know, forcing the citizenry to accept a result that they won't even grant transparency to. The, the corruption and crookedness is so widespread that, in, that we're at the precipice. And in my mind, the military itself, and we believe, and we say, I'm, I'm not really speaking out of my prophetic, but in the prophetic, we believe that there is, the Lord has said, there are good people in the military that are trying to do something about it. They are doing something about mm -hmm. it. But in my mind, the military is almost already at fault for the evil and death it has allowed. It is at fault if it's not because there is a, it's part of a ongoing plan that they realized uh, that in order for there to be the least mm -hmm. deaths possible. But if, if they are doing nothing, they are already at fault. They are already mm -hmm. part of this commission uh, of evil because what's being allowed in this nation as the last, uh, the, the, the remnant nation that has even the capability to fight uh, uh, this kind of evil, then they have, they have let it go. So I'm just saying uh, this is not about... Uh, if the military does, you leave no other options at some point other than God literally bringing lightnings um, um, from heaven and all that kind of stuff. Uh, but the, the, the evil and death that has been allowed is not acceptable. It's not like it's almost not acceptable. It's already not acceptable. I think you agree with me. I'm going to let you say all you want to close because I know I'm taking a bulk of time to say this part right here. But this was, as I started writing my notes this morning, I started feeling really strongly about yeah, this. Yeah, do it. And, and so we're not embracing war and weaponry as God's ideal. Again, we've told you even that terrorists will embrace, call themselves freedom fighters. Um, but this, this ruling government that's called government in our nation right now has far exceeded the definition of a despot by the draconian steps that they have taken to suppress and eliminate freedom, free elections, free speech, 
justifiable tax and mafia-like behavior from institutions like the FDA, things associated with big pharma, big tech, All the FBI. The people participating, the organizations participating in in depopulation. Exactly. Agenda. Uh, the yeah. Department of Justice, again, I mentioned the Supreme Court, and, and every day we remain under the Federal Reserve and IRS is another day of unconstitutional rule uh, of some level or another. So I, I dare someone to constitutionally defend the Federal Reserve and the IRS. Constitutionally defend that anyway. We won't get into the argument. But anyway, it rises up in me that something has to be done. Yeah. There is a reason he calls upon us to be those who carry as a nation, to carry liberty to the nations. And we're the one nation on earth that really has this, has had essential full freedom to weaponry. Now, I know there are many other angles and aspects of that. So you can talk about a response to that. And I know there is, if, if we wanted to get into it at all, that yeah, maybe some measures of safety are in, pl are in place, but it's up, I can ask. Them That's all so good. And I um, just so appreciate how you're just always so wise in, in that um, truth is in the middle and there's mm -hmm. a ditch on either side. Yeah, and, and we tend to kind of view even scriptures depending on which ditch we are looking from. Yeah. And when we should be looking for that that narrow place yeah. of truth in everything That's that good. we do and talk about, we are at a time in history. What I hear you saying is we're at a time in history that is really unlike any other time right now. And our sense is that it is not time to make a decision about um, how we will respond to the tyranny that we are presently under. Um, but at some point there could be a need to figure out the best response. And because we live in this amazing nation, the United States of America, that has a constitution and has the Second Amendment, we we are, um, I just, I'm, I'm not as articulate as Johnny is on these kind of things, so I'm just going to try to talk from my heart because that's you're what doing, I do. I think, I think you're great. I, I have a lot of, a lot of emotion around this. And I think yeah. we all have a lot of emotion around this. I'm aware of our brothers and sisters from other nations who don't really, they don't um, agree with, or yeah. in my opinion, seem to get how special the second amendment is and other rights in our constitution are. And we can come across as like super arrogant, I think as, as Americans and, you know, Oh, we're like the savior of the world. And, you know, we got guns and, you know, we're, I don't know how we come across in our perception, but I have a feeling there's a little bit of pride there. And there is, there is something I think to be proud of. It's different than pride, but, but we take this position seriously. I'm, I'm speaking on behalf of all Americans right now. <laughs> um, we take this position seriously of being the defenders, the defenders of freedom. And I believe there isn't, literally, there isn't anything more kingdom than that. Right. Why? The reason is because, in my opinion, everything that God is about is relationship. The whole reason he sent, well, first of all, the whole reason he created humanity, the whole reason he created us and put us in the earth, the whole reason he sent Jesus was out of a desire for 
relationship with us. And not just a relationship here in the context of the earth and the fallen world that we're in, but relationship for eternity. And he knows better than we even know that that can only happen in the context of freedom, free will, true freedom to choose. And not, you know, to choose the obvious, to know him, worship him, or not know him and not worship him. That's all about relationship. But he goes even beyond that. He's so generous with this idea of freedom. It's the freedom to be able to 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 have a process, mm-hmm. to think out loud, to to figure out what do I believe, and and the freedom to even state things that aren't true while I'm figuring it out. And if he loves that freedom, freedom of speech, freedom of opinion, freedom right. to fail or succeed, and you know, all that comes with that, if he protects that, then how much more so should we? Because we're made in his image. And again, it gets it gets dicey because it's not our long-term purpose. Our long-term purpose is true peace, no violence, a life, uh, an eternal life just filled with love and roses yep. and strawberries and whatever, you know, all the fluffy things, but we're not there yet. We're not to the fluffy part yet. The kingdom is here, but the kingdom is coming. So when I think about, you know, our, our brothers and sisters in other nations that maybe live here or are still in other nations, it might be harder for you to understand our perspective as freedom, as freedom fighters. And, you know, you're watching us as a community, um, as a nation of citizens, you're watching us kind of play out in front of you that that discussion about freedom. And we're we're in a in a position, you know. I think I think the most powerful nations, like you said, are nations that understand what they're fighting for that freedom. And you you can't have. You don't even have a, a voice into that space without the ability to intervene if someone were to try to take your freedom. Therefore, our citizens have to be armed. There, there has to be that right that is protected. But, but even bigger than that, oh, now I lost my train of thought. Um, do you remember what I was going with that. Well, I'll just back you up with this and then you see if you pick back on. Okay. I don't, I'm not sure what you're, if you were saying all nations... Um, that um, are, are for freedom, and they're, we're, 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 I'm not saying that. I don't think we're. I don't think you're saying we recognize the United States as a big nation is, but China. You can tell once a nation wants to control. One of the first signs that is a dead a tell, a giveaway that they plan on controlling uh, their citizenry and eliminating and taking away all their rights is they take away their guns. Yeah. So anytime you think you're part of containing for peace and you're part of containing for the elimination of guns and weapons, you, you got this thing uh, backwards. Back to this point of freedom, Elizabeth says, where the spirit of the Lord is, there is freedom. It establishes even the priority of, of the spirit of the Lord being, we say, well, it's kindness. Well, it's uh, what freedom, freedom, because that's the environment, as you say, uh, the environment of the garden as well was freedom to choose, they even put something they could choose the wrong thing. So anytime we're eliminating that, then we are, we are, we are not helping. Now, I think 
and Elizabeth, you jump in on this too if you want, but this point, I think because of the time we've already taken, we don't want to go further, but we'll say we understand. Some of you may be thinking, well, what about, you know, those who are only 18 years old having uh, automatic, semi-automatic, shouldn't they wait till they're 21? Those are discussions that are allowed. There are measures, uh, should we make sure someone's not insane before they have weaponry? But any bill that's initiated by someone who's trying to take your weapons away, it's just not going to be a good one. If there are reasonable ones, it's just like we were having the conversation, Elizabeth, about, you know, there's people who want our kids to drive, teenage, teenagers, they'll take them, what was that program you were saying? They have to go through programs now that we didn't have to go through when we were younger, where they they have to see what a wreck looks like when you've been driving drunk. They have to see what it looks like when a teenager is driving irresponsibly and 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 their life is taken. They have to hear people's nitty gritty stories of how it affected and changed their lives or they became a, you know, a paraplegic because they were in a wreck. You know, they get a reality check with their license and they have to, they have to understand the seriousness of the freedom they've been given. Yeah. And so that's reasonable parameters around the freedom. Even and, with guns. And with guns, they exist. But again, the people that do that for our teens aren't trying to keep them off the road forever. Mm -hmm. They understand, no, we want you there. We want you just doing it safely. So it's all right. You know, from the people who are pro uh, second right amendment, uh, for people that understand that for there to be some, yeah, we consider it reasonable for this to be, uh, you know. This uh, law in place or this boundary in place, or they have to go through certain programs or we have to make sure that they're mentally stable. But what you're saying is if, if, if that's not, being initiated by someone who is in their heart of hearts really isn't pro second amendment, the right to bear arms, then, then they might look like on the surface, oh yeah, we want to teach your children how to be responsible with guns, but then they end up turning it into they're hoping they can everyone yeah. everyone's too mentally ill to own a gun. You know, we'll develop the test that says if you're uh not mentally stable enough for a gun and then we're gonna make that test where no one passes, you know. Well it's just the way the, the enemy loopholes. does. Yeah. The enemy tries to get a small victory in a certain direction mm -hmm. that you go, okay, well that's reasonable, but it's him. And so we don't want to we, we don't want to allow that. So, so Elizabeth, any final uh, I want to go back comments? to yeah. the heart of what I was trying to say. Just, you know, I believe that the, the freedom, this is why I can't be a pacifist. This is why if um, I thought it was a legitimate thing to fight for or to defend, I would... I would support the men in my life and women if they felt called to, to go to war is if as a Christian, if it connects back to our original rights that were given to us, not by our governments, but by God himself, that environment that, that allows the kingdom of God to come more and more fully. If people can't, if people don't have their basic freedoms and if they don't have an ability to defend those freedoms, then how will the kingdom come? Now, some Christians believe that the way the kingdom is going to come 
in the years to come, the greatest harvest will come when we are only just suffering and being martyrs and learning how to be good at suffering. And I'm not saying in that question that I believe that God would never be okay with us suffering. I personally believe, and my life shows it, that God is okay with some suffering, you know, (laughs) not for my long-term eternal plight, but for here and now. He is okay because of what it accomplishes in me. So I'm not saying all or no suffering, but what do you say to that? Well, it's just that we understand that he came as the lamb to be slain, that there was a price to be paid. So even his generation, his leaders, his disciples, they were all, they were the martyrs. And so they were, uh, you know, the ones that laid down their life for what then comes through revelation and understanding that he was the lamb, but the line of the tribe of Judah, he's actually the line. He came as the lamb, but he's coming to establish lordship over the whole earth. The kingdoms, it ends with the kingdoms of this world have become the kingdoms of our God. The kingdoms of this world becoming the kingdoms of our God do not happen by everybody lying down on the floor and getting shot and and there no no trace of, uh, of God around. That's, Which is obviously what Satan, the enemy who works with broken people, would like to do is 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 eradicate any evidence of believers or of God representatives here on the earth. And it's like, it's... So do you lie down and take it and that's kingdom? And there is, again, if you understand that it's those who called, it's not in general, we'll say, but if someone understands that they have, there's people we've met and talked to people over the years, like, I know I'm going to give my life for the kingdom Mm -hmm. and that I've called to lay down my life. I'm going to be a martyr somewhere. These are friends from other nations as well. And so... If that's part of the storyline, the destiny God has for them, that's fine. But who was that? I don't know, Smith Wigglesworth or somebody. Somebody famous said, for every thousand people willing to die for Christ, there's one willing to live for him. And it doesn't mean live, take up arms, but we're saying we've got to understand this is where the kingdom is supposed to be established on earth as it is in heaven. And so, arise, shine, your light has come. The glory of the Lord has risen upon you. Behold darkness, gross darkness, but the Lord arise upon you. His glory is seen upon you. Nations will walk to the light of the sons of God. Where is light positioned? If you've seen our room here, it's in high places. If there is no light in high places, a nation cannot walk to the light of the sons of God. So we have to understand that there is a contending for a better world that is that is a very biblical mandate. It's, and again, we lost that with this, okay, let's just all die and be martyred and give this all to the devil and be raptured. And one day it's going to, it's going to be better. This is not our assignment. So So, wrap it up with something, Elizabeth. Okay. Well, I just had, I made a few notes along the way so that I didn't interrupt you. And so I'm going to just go back and make a few quick comments on some things you said. Um, so, but first just to wrap up this thought of, I personally do not believe that Suffering or not suffering makes something more kingdom or not. It is. It has to be in context. Like, for example, mm-hmm. believers that are in the underground church in China right now, they are suffering. And, you know, my heart just breaks for them. And I know that, that Jesus is, does, and he is with them, and they are martyrs. But there will come a generation in China, I believe, and hopefully it's this generation, we're, that will be able to experience um, freedom like we 
have here in our country. And that's the, that's the goal. The goal is not that everyone become martyrs. I also want to just say, you know, you talked about peacemakers. I believe that the majority of our military, of our police officers um, here in this nation and our National Guard, that they are peacemakers. And Patriots, I would say that yeah. many of them are actually, um, have been martyrs. They, they've been martyred to the degree that they connect that with their relationship with God. But I believe many soldiers that have died on the battlefield, whether we look back and realize it was a just war or not, in their hearts, they were saying yes to the invitation to do right. from the authorities in this nation to defend what they thought was defending freedom. And, and so that it, because that is a kingdom concept, I believe that's, that is a position of a martyr. It just looks different than someone who's specifically being killed in the moment because they confess Jesus as savior. And, you know, maybe that's a little controversial, but I know that even in Matthew 25, um, we both forgot to silence our phones. I realized this, that after we this started. Is, this is, this is real life. <laughs> AT&T is calling. Um, I, I will say that here in this nation, oh, let me back up. A kingdom concept, Matthew 25, is that there are ways that we will have represented God and cared about what he cared about and we didn't realize it. Because that's how he separates sheep nations from goat nations. Is he says, you cared about these things, and they and they will say, oh, when when yeah. did you do it to to me? When you did it to the least of these? So when did you care about freedom and represent my environment for the kingdom to come? Is in the environment of freedom, and I believe that that our soldiers and our our military our um, our police officers, they have that opportunity to actually be, as you read in scripture, as I read in scripture here in Romans, to be ministers of God who carry not the sword in vain. And they are defending innocent people and they are defending freedom. They're defending the right to free speech, the right for us to agree or disagree. You know, that that is oh such an amazing part of our nation. Um, let me see. Um, all right. One of the arguments going on around right now with all of these um, mass shooting events that are happening is, you know, people will say, and I, I think especially youngest, the younger end of our generation gets caught in this trap of hearing from older people that have an evil agenda and they just repeat what they're hearing because it feels right to them. And it feels right to them because ultimately we were created to live in peace and not in violence. Right. But they use this, you know, if there's this logic, if we had fewer guns, then there wouldn't be these mass shootings. But, um, I mean, I'm not going to go into the details of all that, but I will just say a lot of the, the arguments that I do like that I'm seeing out there on social media have to do with, okay, we use guns, we use weapons to protect leaders, the very ones that are saying we should have fewer guns. We use weapons to protect money, 
things of value, places of value. There's security guards. Why would we not protect our children with every single tool, weapon, technology that we have? Why wouldn't we? And I believe that it is representative of our father's heart that we would want to protect our children. They are our future. They are the most innocent among us. And I, one of the things that I love about going to Israel is, you know, unfortunately it is a a nation that is not at peace and we pray for the peace of Jerusalem. But I love that in that atmosphere, they have teachers out everywhere with their students. They, They take them all kinds of places that are incredibly dangerous, but the teachers carry weapons. And they are, you know, right out in the open. The children grow up around parents and teachers that have weapons on them all the time. Mm -hmm. And the children grow up knowing how incredibly valuable they are because of that. They know that they are being protected. And they're not afraid of guns. And they see them used in the right context. And they, they can easily spot the difference between a person who is mature enough to use a gun and carry a weapon for the right reasons and those who are not. The the stark contrast is so obvious that children grow up there understanding that and the responsibility of it. And of course, then when they go into military right away, they're taught the importance of safety and gun safety and, you know, they're known well enough in their military. Are they stable enough mentally to be carrying around this weapon, et cetera, and they're very intentional with this this part of their yeah, their if, culture. If you've gone there, you'll realize there's weapons everywhere. It's it's the most secure nation because they have extreme security measures. I don't remember if you know the law. It's something like anywhere there's at least, it's either 15 or 20 kids, there must be somebody armed there to protect them. It's why these things don't happen in their school. So it's not about us needing less weapons is probably more weapons, but it being done in a very uh, strategic way where protection of the children is uh, so uh, intentional and so widespread known Mm -hmm. that there's not even the attempts against it. Yep. Okay. I know we need to wrap this up, but I guess I got, I got three last quick things. Oh, wow. (laughs) Okay. So um, one of them is, and we don't have to go into great detail on this, but when we first started talking about this, you were mentioning how in the Old Testament, God was this way, and in the New Testament, he was this way, and yet it's the same God. So what's the difference? And you teach about this occasionally, and I think it's in one of your books, but the idea of us as a society, and God is our Father, okay? So he created all of humans, and collectively, when he looks at humanity, he sees how we started off in the infant stage, in terms of our knowledge and understanding of the world and of him and of um, his ways. And we started off, you know, you get further along in the Old Testament and they were like um, toddlers. And with toddlers, you don't go into deep conversations with them. You're just giving them enough conversation to keep them alive don't do this. It's okay to do that. Here's how you do this so that you can stay alive to have the deeper conversations as we aged 
as humanity, as God's children collectively. And I believe that he deals with us, obviously individually, but also collectively like that. And we are, we are at a time in our growth as humanity where this is the next thing God has his finger on. And a good parent doesn't go after all issues at one time. God is a good parent. And so there are, there are ways that, that he dealt with um, people groups that, that were dangerous and that killed off, you know, that sacrificed their children back then and departed would would have caused the Israelites to de, to depart from their way of growing. You said they were fragile at the time. But now collectively as society, we're finally at this point where we are having these deeper conversations with each other, with God as nations about how do we deal with evil in the earth. And so it's not all just this way or that way. We're, it's important to know that we're in a transition phase mm-hmm. of, of hearing from God, hearing from each other, and, and we're not stuck. I feel very hopeful about where this is all headed. It doesn't mean that there aren't casualties along the way and literal casualties, and it doesn't mean that we're handling our freedom perfectly, not even close, but I think we're headed there. And I think that God is about to trust even more nations with more true freedom. Um, But we're figuring it out. I will say one last thing is um, I wanted just to repeat my favorite phrase that you said today is to, to not resist evil is an evil itself. And so then the question for each of us becomes, what is my responsibility individually? How do I resist evil? How do I resist evil? And if you are a police officer, your answer is going to be different and your accountability will be different than me as a woman who's a speaker, author, in ministry. It's just different. And it's different for each one of us. So for us to try to pigeonhole every single person, we should all be like this. I think it's just naive. Um, and, and so how do we resist evil? And I think that that's where we could end and we could just pray, you know, for even the church right now, because it's important that we hear God's heart mm-hmm. at this critical time in history. Well, I say pray. If it feels like you have a prayer on your heart. Um, I just want to agree with you with that. Father, um, we are learning from you and from each other and from the circumstances that we find ourselves in in our in our different nations right now and this unprecedented time certainly our generation has never been through anything like this and and we just say help we surrender to your wisdom holy spirit and and we don't pretend to um be more committed to a constitution or amendments than we are to you yes but we want to have enough humility to recognize you in, mm-hmm. um, in, in amendments and, and laws that are in place. Mm-hmm. We also want to recognize where change is needed and where, um, 
where we need to have a voice and what our voice needs to sound like. And God, as we are figuring these things out and learning and even waiting for kind of orders from you, like what do we do right now with the tyranny, the evil that is so prevalent and that we are waking up to in mass right now? What is our response supposed to be? And and we we know that our accountability ultimately is to you. And yet um, we know that you've put us here to defend the defenseless and to defend um, this seedbed for harvest, which is, is freedom, freedom mm. to know you and to choose you. And, and we will give our lives, Father, we will give our <coughs> lives, we will lay our lives down just like Jesus did in order for people to be able to know you and uh, the real you, not not who um, someone else defines you as and the process of, of discovering you for ourselves. So we ask for wisdom. Yes. And we pray for our peacemakers. We pray for our military. We pray for people that are in positions of authority that are making decisions on our behalf that affect our nations. God, we pray that you would remove and use us if necessary. Remove those who represent the enemy mm. who has come to steal, kill, and destroy mm. lives. And God, we, we, we pray that you would um, give our soldiers and our military and our police officers true courage. Yeah. That even if they have to go against the, the flow of those around them to speak out against oppression and control and tyranny while obeying those in authority, God, it's just, it's a, it's a fine line. And they each have faced that recently with just vaccine mandates and all these kinds of things, God. We just ask that you would um, raise up true leaders in their midst that will rise to the top and that will be in the positions of authority placed there truly by you to, to stand against evil. God, would you help us as a generation to see evil as evil and good as good? In Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Well, we, we love you even if you disagree with us. Um, I'm pretty sure I'm right, but <laughs> we still love you. <laughs> well said. So um, I wanted to just quickly give you someone that you could follow. Um, our um, One of our family members has a an organization called 2A Daddy, and you can find them on social media. They have a lot of great posts that they do about this subject. Like um, 2A, because second amendment, yeah, okay. The number two, the letter A, Daddy, 2A Daddy. And this is actually um, a young man who is new in our family, Taylor Winston. And um, Taylor is, he's amazing. He has a unique backstory. I'm not going to go into all of it, but you can look him up. He was a part of, um, unfortunately, he was in Las, Vegas. in Las Vegas during the mass shooting years ago. And he's a bit of a hero because he ended up um, finding a truck and 
jump starting it and taking tons of people that were wounded back and forth to the hospital before ambulances were able to even get there. And he saved many, many people's lives. Um, there's a whole story behind it. He, he is someone who obviously um, believes in the right to bear arms. He publicly says that he carries and um, he just has a, a really great way of communicating a lot of the issues surrounding that. So you might enjoy following them on social media to a daddy. Very good. All right. We'll see you next week on Up for Discussion. Uh -huh.